Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Thanks to MedJet for supporting the Lady Business Podcast. If you're hospitalized or your security is threatened while traveling, they can get you home. I'm a MedJet member and have been for years. Everyone who travels should be. Enroll before your next trip at medjet.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. Today, we have the wonderful Gail Becker on, and she's the founder of Kali Power. Hi, Gail. Hi, so happy to be here. Thank I'm you. I'm so happy you're here. You have such a great story. I mean, anybody who's walked an aisle in any store knows of Kali Power. They know of you know, it's benefits, they know it's an alternative, you know, gluten-free, et cetera. But what they probably don't know is how it came about and, you know, where you all started this whole thing, which I think is so fascinating and interesting. So I want to actually start in the beginning, like, how did you start your career? Oh, my career. Wow. Well, um, I'm a strong believer that uh, careers are not like a ladder. They're more like a jungle gym. And I think my <laughs> career has definitely That's a great visual. That. <laughs> it has definitely been quite the jungle gym. I started out in, in news. I was I really wanted to be a reporter. So I was a broadcast news reporter for many years. I worked in many parts of the country, including uh, Washington, D.C., and then following that, I did a, a stint in government, uh, which was great. And then politics and then government. And then I um, worked in Hollywood for a few years. And that was also interesting. And um, and then I what worked- What did you do in Hollywood? Well, I'm dating myself here. So, um, but I did the launch of the DVD format. Oh, yes. Yes, I started when I would say to people, well, one, you're you're going to see movies on a CD and they would think I was crazy. So how's that? For, I was obviously very young at the time. Um, and, yeah, you're a child genius. Yes. I was, yes, exactly. So anyway, so and then following that, I ended up in corporate America and I worked for a global PR and marketing firm, very large one for 16 years before I left to start Collie Power. Amazing. And such, I mean, such a natural pivot. You know, I was in advertising <laughs> years and I started a business based on, you know, like exactly. I mean, that's I love it. You just like slide over that. Well, it is funny. Like there's not, it, it, it's funny that you call it out because there really aren't a lot of like natural threads in that story, which I guess refers back to my jungle, you know, gym reference is that, you know, it's okay to pivot and it's okay to pivot once, twice, and, you know, and sometimes three or four times until you feel like you get it right. Okay. But so let's talk about that a little more because so many people think it's more linear and like a ladder and like, 
you know, I get asked this question a lot, like, how do I take my current experience and do it something else? Because I don't like what I'm doing. You know, what was that thought process for you? Do you even, you know, do you know, was there something like, I know I can do this because I'm good at this? Like, how did that work for you? Uh, The thought process was more not I know I could do it because I would be good at it in some ways. And this seems odd to admit, but I sort of didn't think about whether I'd be good at it. I I didn't think about whether I would be successful at it. I really, it was almost like a calling. I just knew that I needed to do it. But that doesn't mean that there weren't, you know, that there weren't several inputs that helped me realize that that decision. One was I was very frustrated with corporate life, right? I was just very disenchanted with what I saw. I did work my way up the proverbial ladder. And you know what? When I got to the top, I really didn't like the view very much. Mm. And that had been a lot of years climbing and it left me really unfulfilled. Um Two was the passing of my father. And I think, you know, in life, when someone close to you passes, you really do understand the fragility of life. And you realize, boy, in whatever time I have left, I better do something that is going to be meaningful to me or at least or and, and that I enjoy or at least have one hell of a time trying. And so when he passed, that was my signal like, oh my goodness, I need to I need to honor him. He was an entrepreneur, he came to this country with nothing, less than nothing. I'm a first generation American and I really um needed to honor him in some way uh, and do something more meaningful. And then third and and finally, and in some ways maybe the least important was you know, I'm the mom of two boys with celiac disease. I got very frustrated with what I saw. The industry was putting in gluten-free food, probably like a lot of your listeners. I thought, oh, well, one day someone's going to do something. Uh, <laughs> right. Good. So um, can't I, wait for it to happen. I'll just sit here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then I thought, oh, I guess no one's going to. So maybe I should do it myself. And I put all of those things in a blender and what I came out with was, I know I'm going to leave my stable job and start a company called Kali Power. But it's an interesting question because to be honest with you, whether or not I would be successful just didn't even play into it. Right. No, it's fascinating. I think, you know, so many people, like I said, go into this and go, oh, okay, well, this is, this is, a you know, the thing that I'm like, yeah, I went to school for like, how do you know it's 18 years old, what you're going right. to train for in college and exactly. like, and then you're supposed to be that forever. Other than like medicine, it's kind of difficult, right? Exactly. Yeah. I studied poli sci in college. Me too. And now I'm making pizza. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Perfectly I mean, I, poli sci and I do have a law degree, but it's not really, you know, <laughs> right. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you were at the top of this corporate ladder and you were in advertising at the time, right? Where were you? I was at Edelman, uh, marketing, communications, PR. Right. And then you go, okay, I'm going to start this company, Collie Power. Yeah. And then how did you even know how to do it? That's one of the things, right? You're in this corporate thing and all you do is you show up to work, you're a boss, somebody pays, and then that's it. It's like, how do you even know where to start? Uh, it's a really good question. You know, I started with 
something that my parents, I think, really instilled in me. And that was this love of learning and education. And so I figured I could be a sponge and I could learn the business. And so, you know, what's great about this country is you can actually hire anyone to teach you anything. And that's basically (laughs) what I did is I hired some consultants to teach me about the business. Um, I was like a sponge. I'm still like a sponge. And um, I learned every aspect of the business. I would go to grocery stores and try and learn how products got on the shelf and and how that process works. Um, I hired them to help me find a manufacturer because clearly I had never manufactured anything before. And so I really just hired people to teach me. And that's what I did. And once I, I felt like I had learned and could bring on people full time, I, you know, I let the consultants go and, and built the business. And how did you go about building? Like, the, what's the recipe? How did you know it was like, was that you cooking it in, you know? The ah, yeah. You know, what's interesting. There are lots of people who start a business, a food business in particular, by making something in their kitchen and, you know, and then selling it to their friends or, or bringing it to the farmer's market. That is a great way to start the food business. That was not my way. <laughs> my way was uh I made it one time in my kitchen. Uh I had always been looking for ways to, you know, like all of us make our kids meals healthier. And uh I stumbled across cauliflower crust pizzas on the internet. There were 569,000 recipes the day I I looked. I made one. I it was it was okay. It wasn't great. And a couple of weeks later, my eldest son said, hey, mom, are you ever going to make that thing again? And I said, there is no freaking way I am making that again because it took 90 minutes to make a pizza crust after I got home from a full day of work. Yeah, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll find it for you. And I looked everywhere. I looked in Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and online and I couldn't find anything. And that's when I had this idea like, huh, I am looking for something. I do want to honor my father and and his entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe this is it. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's when I, when I took the leap, but I did go right to manufacturing. I never, I never, that was the one and only time I ever made a cauliflower crisp pizza from scratch in my kitchen. So you had, so when was the time, when did you decide like, now I'm going to quit? Like, was the company already started? Was like a side hustle or did you like? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I started for a couple months before I left, just like laying some seeds down, doing some of the paperwork, that kind of thing. And you know what realization I came to? It's very hard to start a company between the hours of two and 4 a.m. Yeah. (laughs) It just was impossible. And so that's when I said, got to go all in. And yeah. that's what I did. And you went literally all in. And what year I, was this? That was in May of 2016. Yeah. That's not that long ago. Not that long ago. And then we launched in February, 2017. And by launch, you mean like you went on sale market. online? Yeah. The first pizza was sold in February, 2017. And how was it sold? Like, where would the consumer buy it at that point? The consumer, um, so we launched in 30 Whole Foods stores in the SOPAC region. So like Southern California, Arizona, Hawaii, but only 30 stores sprinkled throughout that region. So um, that's where I started. And how did you, and was it the consultants that they're the ones who like helped you get in there? Well, it's a good question, right? 
you know, some parts, it's funny, the things you think are going to be easy are hard and the things you think are going to be really hard are actually much easier. So Whole Foods has this wonderful program. No matter where you live, if you, whatever region you live in, you can pitch your product to that region. So for me, I was living in LA and so I pitched Collie Power to the, um, to the SOPAC region. And, you know, it was interesting. I still remember the day very well because you're not allowed to have a meeting with anyone. And so I had my sample pizzas, which by the way, are the most expensive pizzas ever made because in this ecosystem, you have to make the product on the line before you can actually sell it and before anyone will buy it. So I, you know, all the time and energy and money that I had put in was like literally for these four sample pizzas. And I brought them in a styrofoam container filled with dry ice. And uh, I had to leave them with the receptionist at Whole Foods. At at Whole Foods. And um, it was kind of like I equated to, you know, dropping off your kids in daycare, you know, only worse, really. And I was like, oh, here they are. Be careful. Like yeah. my life was in that styrofoam box. And then um, about a and week then, and a half. So are they supposed to then like eat it, try it, all that. Yeah. So then they, so then the receptionist gives it to the buyer. So you have no idea who these people are. And then about a week and a half later, I got a note from the buyer who said, we tried your pizzas. We love them. We'd like to bring them into 30 stores. Wow. Yeah. You don't even know if they're going to like cook it right. Like, no, you know, nothing. Yeah. No, no, no idea. Throwing caution to the wind. Yeah. That's that's the name of my book, Caution to the Wind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you got in 30 stores from there, right? But that's just the beginning. So then what happens? How does it how does it grow? So uh, I was in those 30 stores, sold out in two days. And then the distributor sold out in two days. And so the orders started coming in. They wanted to bring them into more stores within that region. And in March, so that was in February, in March was um, uh, Expo West, Natural Food Expo West, which is the largest natural food show, I think, in the world, 80,000 people in uh, the Anaheim Convention Center. And I got a table, almost didn't get a table, got a tiny little booth, like ordered my banner from Zazzle. I mean, it was like as bare bones as you could possibly imagine. And um I showed up there and I think that we could, and I only had two employees at the time. I think we cooked probably about 1500 pizzas that weekend, mm-hmm. uh, just for buyers and brokers and retailers and everyone and everyone. And that's, that was really what sort of sparked the phenomenon. And um, boy, we got so many people who ordered and were interested and that's, and then we took off from there. And then how, so Expo West is expensive though, right? To buy like a booth and stuff. It is expensive. At this point? Uh, did I what at this point? Were you bootstrapping at this point? Or did oh, you- yeah. Oh, but yeah, that's why I ordered my banner from Zazzle and my decoration, <laughs> literally a basket of cauliflower. That was my decoration. And I think I bought the tablecloth at Target. But um, yeah, I was bootstrapping and it was expensive, but I sort of felt like if I was going to do it, I, I was going all in. Yeah, I used to do anything half-assed, sorry. but yeah. um, I just thought, okay, you know, I, and it's kind of one of the benefits of being a slightly older entrepreneur too. It's like, I don't have any time to waste. Let's just do it. Yeah. 
And so uh, I did do All In. And I'm so glad I did because I almost didn't go to that show and I almost didn't get into the show. So uh, it was, um, I feel like there was lots of fate happening around that time. Well, and also a really good product that, you know, there was obviously a a market fit, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so is that like, when did you actually start raising money then? Right. Because a lot of people think they have to do it before you caught, you went out, you tested the market, you knew you had something. And is that when you raised money? So it all depends on, you know, people's individual, individual situations, obviously, you know, making a bar or a bag of chips is a lot cheaper than making a frozen pizza. I mean, this was a fair amount of money, but I, I put it all in. So when I say I went all in, I went all in. I, I maxed out my credit cards. I sold my clothes online. I had some money in the bank. My dad left me a little bit of money and I put everything. And I mean, everything into this company that I knew nothing about. And today people are like, oh, that's so smart. But it was actually pretty stupid. Um, (laughs) But I ended up working out. But um, it's funny because I'm just thinking of this weird analogy, if you could just humor me for a minute. I was learning poker last night, right? Women should be playing more poker. It helps you in negotiation, all of this. And I ended up betting they were fake chips because we were learning, but I ended up betting it all. And I had two threes. I had a pair of threes and I ended up betting it all. Now, as fate would have it, there was a three on the table. So I had three of a kind and I ended up winning. Mm-hmm. But the woman who was teaching said, you should have never bet on those mm-hmm. pair of threes. Mm-hmm. You should have never bet. And I couldn't help but think, yeah. And I probably should have never bet on Kali Power either. Yeah. But I didn't bet on Kali Power. I bet on me. Yeah. And I think that's a wonderful lesson for women to take away. And even more than that, to show your kids like, hey, you should always bet on yourself. Mm -hmm. You should always take that bet. I can't think of a better lesson for the kids that we raise and and the women that we cheer on. Yeah. No, it's so true. Or yeah, you, I've done the... Oh, is that poker power? I've done that too. Yeah. And yeah, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't playing by the rules and I kept winning because what I was doing was betting on myself. Exactly. And and that my other players were not betting on themselves. Yeah. And they were doubting themselves. Exactly. 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 And taking a risk, which, you know, sort of have to, right? Yeah. So the irony was I was with all finance, really, really, really financially successful finance oh, people. And oh, I was I like, huh? I, <laughs> I was like, oh, I get it. You're really good at your job because you don't take risks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're like, calculated risks exactly. in your job. But like, oh, yeah. I was like throwing caught, like, again, it was not real money. If it was oh. real money, I, I probably would have, you know, yeah. done it differently. But yes. You know, yeah. sometimes you have to do, you have to do the thing that nobody thinks that you can do because what it is, it's your instinct. Exactly. And you knew as a mom of two boys, a celiac, there is nothing in the market out there. And you knew when everybody was like responding to it, that there was something there, right? And yeah, there was like- I, I felt like, well, it's interesting because yes, obviously we make gluten-free food. All our food is gluten-free and obviously lots of people who eat gluten-free eat cauliflower. And that's wonderful. And I love that. But that was never the purpose of the brand. And we don't even market ourselves as gluten-free. We are, we make great tasting, better for you products that happen to be gluten-free. And that Mm -hmm. was a really 
thoughtful and strategic decision that we took on early on that was basically based on an insight that I had when my kids were little because their friends would come over and, you know, you'd make like 10 frozen pizzas for everybody. And my sons were always like, ooh, don't give our friends the gluten-free pizza. Buy regular pizza for them and just give us the gluten-free. And that was such an interesting insight to me. It was like, well, why can't we just all eat the same thing? Mm-hmm. You all have different reasons for eating it. Maybe you want something low calorie. Maybe you want something low sugar. Maybe you want something gluten-free. Maybe you want just a great tasting pizza. Whatever the reasons are, let's all share from the same place. And that is really the ethos of the brand. Uh, we wouldn't be as big as we are if it was only um, if people only ate a bodice that eat gluten-free. Right. That's so true. Yeah. Oh, that's just it. Bigger vision, right? Well, yeah. We're crazier. I don't know. (laughs) I think they're very closely intertwined. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So talk a little bit about when you started raising money, like how far in was that? And what was that experience like for you, especially as a woman as well as stories? Yeah. So uh, I started the company in May of 2016. I launched in February of 2017. I was, I got into Walmart in October, 2017, we were going into Walmart and I didn't have enough money to make the product for Walmart. So I needed to raise money in September, 2017 is when I needed to get the money. So I I basically went as long as I could and I had the money last as long as I could. Um, I think it was pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. And if there's anyone that ever tells you, oh my gosh, it's so fun to raise money. I don't know. I wouldn't believe them, but maybe. Um, yeah, it was awful. It was awful because, you know, first of all, we didn't have an easy time, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of remarkable given our early success in Whole yeah. Foods, given the fact that we were already had been accepted into Walmart yeah, uh, and a number of other retailers. And, you know, I don't know why I could guess, but it was hard. Wait, uh, what were the excuses people were giving you for not... They were saying, you know, they were saying this. Well, first of all, of course, there were those people that said, oh, I don't think cauliflower crust pizza is really a thing. So I was like, okay. Then, uh, but the thing I heard most was, we'd like to see how you do in Walmart. Mm -hmm. Once we see how you do in Walmart, then we'll give you money. So is it fair to say that women might be, might be given less risk capital and more come back when you're successful capital? Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. I that mean, no sense. You're already in, you have two massive POs. And it, like- it made no sense. It made no sense. And all the men, and lots of men who weren't even in market, right? Totally untested. Yeah. People yeah. were throwing money at them. I mean, throwing money at Impossible Burger and all that stuff, which is full exactly. of shit, literally. Exactly. exactly. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Could it be something else? Maybe, but I don't know. Or the, or the self-pizza making machine that everybody lost. Yes, exactly. Or the self-pizza making machine. But there's so many men that like put money in that. And you're like, what? Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, I was really surprised, dismayed. Yeah. 
And Result. here's the other thing of it too, right? It's like, we'll wait to see how you do in Walmart. You're going, okay, wait, the valuation of my company is only going to get bigger at that point. So yeah, they don't care because it's not really risk capital. They call it risk capital, but is it really risk capital? That seemed to me like it's not risk capital. It's come back when you're more of a sure thing in capital. Yeah. Which was fine, except I didn't need the money then. Mm-hmm. I needed the money to go into Walmart. So if I didn't get that money, I would never have that opportunity. Right. Right. Okay. So then you finally raised the money. I did. Yes. And from men or women? So I talked to, I'm, I call it the summer of sell because that's all I did in terms, and in addition to running the company and in addition to everything else. And we talked to probably, I want to say 35 different VCs. Of those 35 different VC groups, I had a conversation. I spoke to two women. Yeah. And that's like of all the VCs. So if you figure a VC has five people, you can yeah. do the math. And I spoke to two women. Yeah. So I did end up taking um, some money and, and that was and that was good. But uh, for a company like Collie Power, we should have had more options. Yeah, seriously. All right. So... So you grew the company. Yes. I mean, back to that a little bit, like, like I find there's been a massive jump in the amount of female VCs in just that short period of time, because Me Too came out 2017 and now yeah. it's been like more yeah. and more like yeah. across board, like now private equity, that's totally barren when it comes to women. There's yeah. so, there's still yeah. not that much, but more and more VCs and more and more women are individually investing, which is great, but you needed that then not now a hundred percent and you're yeah. right it is better but i will say too because people say this to me all the time you know there are a lot more vcs out there who only invest in women and that's great and i love that and i would love to see a hundred times more of that in any way that i could support those women i'm all for it but they don't have as much money yeah that's the problem yeah they don't have as much money they don't raise as much from LPs because it's, you know, it's exactly proving out our business model. Exactly. 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 So if you need a little bit, that's great. Yeah. But if you need more. Are you holding a cauliflower in your hand right now, by the way? I am. It's, my, my <laughs> cauliflower. it's a cauliflower squishy. It's a, it's a stress ball. It's a stress oh. ball. If you want one, I I know where to get one. So oh my God, that's hilarious. Okay. So, so cut to you're building the company and you're still running it at this point, right? Oh yeah. 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 And how the team is growing and at what point did you decide to like hire a CEO? Cause I know we were oh, just talking about this. Well, oh, I, I did run it for a long time. So I started in May of 2016 and I hired a CEO in the, Q1 of 2022. Okay. So not that long ago. What was was that decision? What made that decision happen? I mean, you learned so much at that point, right? Yeah. You know, seven years is a long time to run a startup. Mm -hmm. And every day, and this is not an exaggeration in any way, I was working like 18 hours a day for seven days a week for seven years. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't even have the time to talk to you right now. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, I think what the pandemic made me realize is that I was sort of forgetting to live. You know, I, I was so 
like calling power 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's all I thought about. That's all I dreamed about. That's all I could concentrate on. And it wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And by the way, not healthy for me, not healthy for the business either. Right. So, you know, I always say Kali Power is like my third child. Mm -hmm. And for anyone out there who's listening, who has children, you would do anything for your child. You need to give it the best fuel you could possibly give it. And that's when I, it was clear that, you know, now was the time. Also, look, I built it to a hundred million dollars. Yeah. I didn't have anything else to prove. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to do. I did it. You know, let's go. Um, Yeah. Yeah. A hundred million dollars. So what, like, do you think, you know, for people listening to, I always want people to get tips or things that you like, you could think of or do differently or better or worse or whatever. Like, do you think you did it too long? Could you, should you have done that, Mm. you know, hired a CEO earlier? Um, If it's an interesting question, you know, I think the pandemic really changed everything. The pandemic was very hard. Uh, It was hard for all. First of all, it was hard for everyone, obviously. It was hard for food companies. You know, healthcare and food companies were just slammed because Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, we were an essential business and yet making food and getting food from point A to point B had never been harder or more complicated while you're all working from home. Mm -hmm. And there were so many things that happened during that year. There was a slot onslaught of competition, all of this, that it was a hard year. I knew I couldn't hand over the reins during that time. Right. I needed to get it back to stability and then, and then it would be time. And that's what I did. Right. Right. And was it, uh, I mean, once you did make the decision, was it like easy for you to let go? Or was that like, I mean, you said it's like your third child. So, <laughs> well, it's not like it, it's not like I've left. I mean, I'm, no, know, I know so, that. Yeah. So, so instead of working 18 hours a day, I'm working 12 hours a day. So right. it's a little bit nicer, but I'm still, you know, I still wake up thinking about Collie Power and go to bed thinking about Collie Power and still obviously very engaged and need to be and want to be in the company. But yeah, it was probably easier than I thought it would be. It was probably easier than I thought it would be. And, you know, and like, I think that's so true in life, right? Mm-hmm. So much about life is the anxiety that we sort of build up and think, oh my can I do this? It's going to be horrible. It's going to be whatever it is in life. And then you go through it and you're like, okay, well, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you might've worked 18 hours a day for seven, you know, seven days a week for seven years, but look what you built, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And you know what? And even if it wasn't that, because if there's other people out there who are doing the same thing, you know, look, the fact there is nothing I want more than for Kali Power to be held as an example of what a woman-founded, women-led company can do. Yeah. If it does nothing else in life, but it does that, I'm a happy, yeah. happy person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for anyone out there, if it's not that, if it didn't hit a hundred million, if you're struggling, if you're if you're trying to make it work, if you just reached 20 million, whatever it is, people really need to redefine their own 
their own sense of success. It's not about money. Right. The fact that, I mean, honestly, if you ask me what my proudest, what my personal proudest moment that I did in Collie Power, sure, I'm proud. Of, I made, I brought it to 100 million, of course. And, but I'm really proud that I made the decision in the first place. Yeah, that you did it, right? That I did it because that's the toughest decision. So yeah. if there are people out there who are struggling or at seven million or whatever it is, they all took the hardest decision. Mm-hmm. So that, and that you should be so proud of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Even if it doesn't work, it's like you still took the risk where so many people are just sitting in the same, you know, linear job and going, oh, I really wish I could do this, but then never do it. Right. Regret is like a horrible, horrible feeling. Um, No, it's very true. The easiest thing is to stay. Yeah. Job, in a marriage, relationship. That's the easiest thing. Stay. Yeah. The hardest thing that people can do is leave or Mm -hmm. change or face the unknown or risk everything. That is scary. Yeah. But boy, it's so worth it. And you're never going to forgive yourself if you don't. Yeah. It's so true. Good point. Thank you for putting that in perspective. Um, Amazing. Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, what you, what you did and what you've accomplished. And, you know, the fact that everyone knows Kali Power is, you know, such a testament to, to that bravery that you had um, and did. So, you know, what, is, what do you think the future of Kali Power is in growing that brand? Well, we have, we're really a platform brand now, right? So we have, obviously we're famous for our pizza and will probably always be. And I'm very excited because we have lots of innovation coming out this year and some innovation in pizza too, which is really exciting. So we have pizza, we have chicken, and we have pasta and meals. So I think the goal for Collie Power is, you know, to really be the number one better for you frozen food company. Love it. That's what I have my my sights on. Because ultimately Um, too, frozen food, it's like, you know, it used to get, it was got such a bad rap because it was full of crap. Right. Exactly. And then, but you're exactly. like, you're a young, you're a mom and you're like, I don't have time to make a meal from scratch. I'm like, I work, you know, I need something quick and easy that I don't exactly. feel totally guilty for giving to my kids. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, yes, sure. Collie power is about great tasting food and sure. It's about making food uh, better for you, but it's equally about time yeah, and convenience and anything that is going to give people more time to do what they love. Yeah. And I think that's why I like to think that's why that's why it needed to be started by a mom. And if you think about it, you know, look, the big food conglomerates, which are all in the frozen pizza aisle. Mm hmm. They spend millions and millions and millions on R&D every year. Mm -hmm. Why did it take me, who knew nothing about food, to start Gullibar? Yeah, it's such a good point. Right? And it's a good point because it goes to show you, too, that they might spend a lot on R&D, but they don't know how to do a startup. They buy them. Exactly. Exactly. They don't know how to do a startup. And their mind is not, wow, 
I'm a mom. I don't have time. I don't want to feel like crap about giving my kids something from the freezer. So what's the solution? Mm -hmm. And so it almost did. So you're taking it back to your original question. Like, you know, you had no experience. What the hell were you doing? You said it much. (laughs) I don't think I've phrased it that way, but yeah, you did it. But that's what you meant. And that you should have meant that. But the answer is, I think it was that, I don't know. I don't want to say ignorance, maybe naivete. Yeah. That allowed me to do it. Because if I were in it, if I were in this crazy business, I probably would have never done it. Right. So true. So if anyone's listening and they're in a similar position, ignorance is bliss. I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. When ignorance is bliss, it's folly to be wise, right? (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you. I know we got to let you go here. But I know that we are talking about any of the listeners, if they want a Kali power, how can they get it? Okay. So I have a very exciting offer because I am a personal fan of yours. Um, So anyone can go on any of our social channels and direct message us, Lady Business, and we will send you a coupon good for any free, that's free, uh, cauliflower product. Just to say thank you to you and thank you to your amazing listeners. Oh, thank you so much. This is awesome. I love the story so much. I know when I first met you, I was like, this is crazy and I love it. And I love this, like the risk taking and just belief in yourself and a million good lessons. So we've learned a million good lessons. The one question I always ask everybody before they get off is, What's the worst advice you've ever received? It's such a good question. You know, I think the worst advice I ever received was, well, now I feel, I'm going to feel bad because it's going to be good advice for some people, but it was bad for me. Mm-hmm. Which was, Keep doing what you're doing. Keep putting money away and you can retire when you're 55. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do if with 50 done that? If I had done that, there'd be no cauliflower, clearly. Yeah. And and it may be right for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like, and I think that's what made it so hard for me to make the decision, because that's what I was always told. Mm-hmm. Take the safe route. Take the, you know, you have a good job. Why would you want to mess it up? Why would you want to poke and provoke? Just, you know, do your job. Yeah. And, um. Yeah, that was, boy, am I so glad I uh, I didn't listen. Yeah, me too. We all are. <laughs> Thank you. This was awesome, Gail. Thank you so much for this. If people want to find Kali Power, they can find it. What, what are the social channels, by the way? So it's at Kali Power on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you want. Um, We're in 30,000 stores. We're easy to find. But if you want to look for our products, because our pizzas are pretty easy to find, but some of our other products, just go on eatcallingpower.com. Yeah. Put the store locator and uh, put in your zip code and it'll tell tell you right where to find it near you. And don't forget to do lady business. And don't forget. (laughs) Thank you so much for this. And thank you for everyone for listening. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.